0: Oh whoa! Have you ever seen one, one of those I've guitars? Of those. Oh, they're amazing. So it looks literally looks like a Strat. Okay, It has a Strat neck, like the actual Strat neck. Mm-hmm. The body is a Stratocaster. That's basically like an acoustic body. Um, you yes. know, so it's hollow. It's got mm-hmm. a piezo pickup in it. You know, all these different electronic things on it. It's really thin. Like the body's probably like that thin. Yeah, two to three inches in, in depth, and uh, it's not the the most full guitar you want to play with, but it's still a Stratocaster that's acoustic and you can plug it in. And yeah, I used to take that in all the, all the jobs. It was, it was really cool.
1: So does it feel like, does it play like an electric Stratocaster?
0: Yes, but with acoustic strings. Huh. So I used to put elixirs on them because I used to love the elixir strings when I used to play acoustic, a lot of acoustic because, you know, they, they tonally they're just richer and you can bang them around for like a couple of months without having to change them. Mm-hmm. and they got that polymer coating on them from what I remember. But yeah, it, it basically is an acoustic sound, but it's a Stratocaster feel. So you can do like soloing and bend it. And you know, yeah, <laughs> I put like an, I put like a 10 gauge on them, you know, and it would go out and play these jobs. And so if they wanted to like hear Eric Clapton or something, I could do that, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. You couldn't do like the, the David Gilmore bend. Yeah. Cause that guy uses eights and he bends like, you know, two and a half steps up, Yeah, you know, and, and I would always yeah. pop strings, you know, but, uh, there he is.
1: <laughs> That's huge, though. I've spent a lot of yeah. time looking for a. I really was looking for an acoustic that could play as an electric, and Taylor's put out a new one recently. And I finally just decided that this the ES335 was my. I um, had a 335. I love them. Love a, them. Love them. Love them. Love
0: them. Beautiful uh, instrument. Yeah, I, it really is for jazz. That's why you know why one was why I got the the Kiesel. Was because it's a chambered body, so when Holdsworth designed it, he designed these two, you know, aortic chambers that were in there and to kind of really resonate like a jazz guitar. So I know we're doing band band stuff today. I want to share with you guys really quickly. So I heard, listen to, an amazing album yesterday. Okay, so I'm walking through this grocery store thing we went to a couple of days ago, and I hear this track playing over the PA. You know, sometimes they you know kind of rotate musical things from. Uh, serious or whatever that the thing is and i heard this track that i heard when i was like 22. um remember that song where have the cowboys gone or i don't forget what the title is um the artist's name was paula cole remember her i know was the like, name really really Cole. yeah so i was like oh i remember that tune right so i went back and i and i, I pulled the album right and the album was called This Fire. And listen to the whole thing front to back. What a good record. I mean, she was the one that was doing like, you know, they pulled a couple of her songs for like Dawson's Creek. That's how old we're going. That's how far back we're going right into the show. So I wasn't really into the poppy stuff. But if you dig really deep into some of the material, but, you know, the the band, like the band, the writing, I was just sitting back thinking like, my God, like some of these writers, you know, really have their arms around the whole process i mean so listen to that album tell me you guys think of it i mean lyrically speaking yeah i'm not not 20 anymore it's not until like the whole angst i gotta be independent and like you know throw society away and just find my own kind of thing but just you know like i think the way compositionally the whole record came together was like wow good stuff and she was a berkeley student too
2: Hmm. yeah i'll check it out this fire
0: this fire yeah good record
2: Oh, cool! I know the name. I just can't remember exactly. Yeah,
0: she's still active. I just I looked her up on the net. She's still doing gigs and still writing. I think she had like seven albums since that one. Hmm. So the industry, you know, kind of pushed her out because it was more like a one and done record kind of thing. She had a couple of hits, but then still active, still playing, Very still cool. writing.
2: Very cool. I yeah. listened to that band that you mentioned maybe a podcast or two ago. The four guys doing like a metal. Pink Floydy type thing? Oh, oh, uh, Red Fang. Yeah.
1: Aren't they great? <laughs>
2: their, their videos are even their better. Their
0: hilarious. <laughs> so good. So good. I think it was in a Prehistoric Dog when they're sitting around drinking beer and they're watching the guys play Dungeons and Dragons yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hey, Gandalf. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hilarious. Absolutely yeah. hilarious. Oh, they're good. They're really good. I, I was working with Alton last week. He saw them live. Oh, okay. And he said they were great. They were just, they had this really kind of, you know, good following and he'll tell you about it when we talk to him, but he was, you know, he was like, yeah, they're really dialed in and, you know, I I read that they on stage come across as very weird. Hmm. Like they have like their great presence, but they're just like very unique, weird kind of thing that you have to kind of get into. Um, but there's something about those, those kind of, I don't know, um, those bands that kind of take a different approach to when they, when they work that I've always really liked, I can never stand like the, the formula band. You know what I mean? Like we've all right. been part of those, those gigs where you had to like follow a certain prescriptive kind of thing when you're playing. I always liked those bands. Like, you know what, we're just going to do whatever we want. Here we are. Here's our sound.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, they're getting into bands. That's, that's one of the things that um, I've, toyed with over the years and i'm on that line of there are times when it needs to be completely organic but then you start getting into the like the jam band type of thing and then there are the times when it needs to be you know rehearsed and done and this is this is how it this is how we played it and this this is the bend that i do and this is the solo that i do there's a very fine line between that and i've played with enough bands over the over the years that some Band members love that kind of approach, and some members
0: don't like that a- approach. Depending on which way you go, yeah, I hate the jam band thing. Can't do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> playing in a jam band is like when I was like playing baseball. You know, people like looking at me like, "Scott, you can take a solo. What? What? What do I do? I'm not planned. I didn't rehearse this thing."
1: <laughs> see, I'm, I'm the That's opposite to of you two. Oh, yeah, really? I think it really depends on what you listen to. I mean, I I love listening to go. Is I like going to see live jam bands more than I like listening to live albums from jam bands. Right. And I listen to Sirius XM's Jam On more than it's like that. And the jazz station are like my two that I listen to the most. But I think it's what Aaron's saying. Like it depends on who you're playing for and where, like if you're going to play for a certain, you know, people who aren't into jam band music, and they're like at a bar, maybe jamming for taking a 10 minute solo isn't the thing to do. But like at a festival or a place where people came to see you and they're like, you know, it depends on what's going on. Like having longer jams lets people just kind of hang out and enjoy the atmosphere surrounding it. No, I agree. I think that a festival lends itself well to that kind of thing. People were there to
2: just kind of chill. Um, a bar may be a little bit different. Um, an actual show may be a little bit different, like a theater or something like that. Yeah, I, I agree that the the venue will dictate a lot of um, what the listener is expecting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I know that recently um, that I was in a band that there was a formula where it was kind of organic, um, but then... I know that there, there were certain members that felt like when I went into my solo that I had constructed my solo. I, I know that I was my solo and I went and did that solo every time because, well, I spent a lot of time doing that solo and figuring out where it goes harmonically and melodically and just I, I took a lot of time and pride in doing that. I know one member hated that certain people who can jive with that. And then there are certain people right. who can't, I mean, that and you go through that through bands, through bands, through band, through band. So, yeah, I mean, it
0: depends, it depends on the players in the band and it depends on the venue. Yeah. I, I was, I was, I was hard to get along with in bands, you know, I don't, I don't know why I think it was one of the things where, okay, well, first I was raised by musicians and I don't mean that kind of like in a, in this kind of literal way. But when I was, when I was a kid, you know, all my teachers were in bands and I really got to see that process. So in those days, like we're talking like 86, 87. Okay. When the, the shred hair glam rock thing was really at the forefront of the music industry. Mm-hmm. And my teachers, you know, like in their late twenties and they're like really trying to get record deals. It was almost like watching an Olympic swim team practice. I mean, I used to sit in those rehearsals and watch those guys and like, Dudes, they would have like vocal practices, like they would do that. They would say, all right, today we're just doing vocal rehearsals. And they would, and the three of them would sit in front of the mics the four of them and they would rehearse the vocals. Then one day do a sectional rhythm practice, you know, then one day they would do sort of, I don't know, working on different aspects of of the band. My point is that they were so dialed in that when they went to stage, it was polished. Hmm. So for me, I, I always got that rehearsal thing. So when I got into, you know, playing in bands later, I was like, okay, like, I don't I get the organic tendency. I get. Th- I understand that now. Yeah, in my forties, like, yeah, let, let things breathe and relax. But when I was a kid, I was like, okay, no. If we have not prepared adequately, you know, like those Shakespearean actors, I'm appalled. We're not right. preparing. This is crazy, right. you know. But um, you know, so you're right. I think there's there's always about what you want, you know, kind of balancing some things out, you know. And I think there's a lot of a lot to be said for preparation, even still.
2: Oh my you know? gosh, yes.
0: I think one of the the things that sticks in my craw. If I had to get into a band later, and probably my kids are a little older, I might do a band thing. But one of the things that I really think is important is, you know, you, you can't just go to a band rehearsal and not have things prepared. I and mean, how many times have you guys been in that situation? <laughs> right? Maybe <laughs> this will open a Pandora's box. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Right? Those members. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what do you mean you didn't practice your stuff? I've been practicing for a month on these pieces, you know? So I went the other extreme. I was over prepared you know, in a lot of ways, but who knows? Maybe that was okay too. Yeah, I think so. I think it's important
2: to, to again, it's that line. It's, it's, I feel I've always felt it's extremely important to come prepared to session. Always. Um, I cannot personally stand sitting around waiting for somebody to learn their part or for us as a band to try to teach that one person. Yeah. That they practice at the rehearsal, me. right? Which drives me absolutely nuts. Nuts. And and most often the times, those people don't even know it's happening. And that's the frustrating part is the, the other guys in the band can look at each other and go, do you believe this? And that one guy's like, <laughs> do you believe this? And you're like, you're the person we're talking about. That's and, true. and it happens a lot. Yeah. I I come from the this field of being prepared is extremely important. And uh, I teach that in my classes all the time that, you know, if let's just say it's an original band and someone brings a perfect example this is when when joe had brought a song to uh, one of our sessions our joe Mm -hmm. um and He brought an idea and we had actually, it was, it was at towards the end of session and it was kind of like, okay, our homework is this. We need to work on this. That way, when we come back next week, we can progress. There is something that we can actually move forward with rather than coming back next week and saying, okay, let's pick up where we left off last week and kind of just noodle around for the next two hours. That to me doesn't sit well. Um, So what I did was I went home and I wrote multiple parts and then when i show up i have things to offer uh, they could be shot down that's fine um but at least i've i will feel better knowing that i've done work and i have something to present that produces you know this this forward movement rather than not and that 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 stagnation the the sitting on no ideas or let's just figuring figure it out now that is to me a waste of the time that I have with my fellow musicians. Yes, right. That's that's important time to me when, for two hours a week or whatever it is, um, that I make the most out of that music, whether it's original music or cover music.
0: Well, here's one of the I think the core problems with this uh, the band thing. And it, okay, so call it what it is, right? And for our audiences, especially the young ones who might be listening to this band. Here's the way I was taught by my teachers years ago. Okay, being in a band like being married to five guys, like being in a relationship with five other people, the dynamics that you have to deal with. Okay, Mm. from like this person is putting all his time in, this person is not. Right, this person wants to do this style, this person does not. It conflicts with your creative vision, that person's creative vision. Like talk about democracy. Mm -hmm. Like you, you have to learn. It's I think it's more about people skill and, and trying yeah. to, you know, what they call that, um, you know, de-escalation of, you know, when you're in crisis mode and, you know, trying to make people happy and, you know, trying to be, <laughs> you know, diplomatic, <laughs> just right. Out so many memories, yeah, right. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's the problem. I think like when you're, you know, when you're young and you're like, Oh, I just want to do this and go this direction. You know, it's hard to sacrifice. It's hard to like, or compromise what you want to do. You know, I, I don't, again, I don't know if I'd have a easier time now, but maybe, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic. So, so guys want to start bands today. Know what you're getting into. Yeah. yeah. It's not and just it's, saying it.
2: it's yeah. always interesting because I've always been, you know, pro music and pro playing in a band all my life. Um, but it's interesting when you come across somebody who might actually have more enthusiasm than you do. Uh, that's always an interesting one to come across as well. Cause you're, I mean, I'm, I'm very, I'm very in it very all the time. Um, and then, when I come across somebody who's in a band who's like more so m- more enthusiastic, you're kind
0: of blown away, and you you almost say to yourself whoa buddy are you <laughs> are, is it bad or are you are you getting competition with those guys? Cause I, I used to find that too, you know it's like, okay, we're gonna like piss on our territory here We see who's like you know who's got more kind of the uh the enthusiasm, but yeah it's 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 right, I think sometimes it goes over the top, yeah, yeah, you have to be kind of careful of uh of how that kind of plays out.
2: Again, you have to kind of you have to be, know how to deescalate certain situations and kind of manipulate them and work with people and know how to you know take one for the team. Uh, that's extremely important to be able to just kind of say, okay, it's cool. Yeah, I'm cop,
0: yeah, I'm gonna mm-hmm. sit back today and I'll be okay with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel yeah. like a lot of time. I have a lot of memories of being in a, a moderator role like watching two two people get into it in the band then you you jump in and you're trying to like (laughs) you know be the arbitrator and because it's like okay we if you're thinking about the gig that's coming up and you're like we cannot be fighting right now like we got to fix this whatever you know trying to give concessions to each side Mm. but you i mean you also have to look at the members, like, I, I have memories of getting along with members musically and then having lifestyle issues, whether that was, you know, drinking and whatever oh, that was going on during practices. Oh, yeah. Like, that that yeah. influenced things. Even though it might be, like, awesome playing music with them, that can get in the way. Or I have very specific memories of people who had, you know, conflicts with their just their personal life. And adjusting that you know fitting that with the band schedule and i remember feeling like this guy needing to go on a date with his girlfriend was literally affecting my band schedule all the time it was like me versus his girlfriend is what i felt like which created an incredible amount of tension which then seeps into the you know the actual music playing so yeah you got to Yes. And then you got to look at people's commitment to the band. I, I have a problem. I used to get overextended in bands, which, I mean, Aaron's seen this, hmm. which can then interfere with your level of preparedness. You know, if you're in too many bands at once, you just can't be as prepared for all of them.
0: Overextended well. in the sense of taking on too many, too, too many, many other too many projects. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's something. At least in the DC area, I felt like there was so much. Once you got into it, there was so much organic, like mixing and blending of bands. I mean, I had my drummer for one band was the rhythm guitarist and singer in another band, and my bass player in one band was also the bass player in another band. Like, because we pulled him in when our other bass player left, It was like, "Oh, I got the guy," and just like everyone would end up in these projects and sitting in with other people. And then you're like, Oh man, I need to learn this part for this, for this band. And then I got this rehearsal and I got school and everything else. And there's not enough time to focus on what you need to do. Right.
2: Right. Depending on what's going on, your, on your, in your life, I'd say anywhere from two to three to four bands is... Two is great. You can juggle yeah. that pretty easily. Three starts getting a little hairy. Four is like, oh man,
0: you better have your schedule together. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, at that point, how do you even like keep track of well, just, le- learning material and scheduling right. rehearsals? And right, right, yeah, that gets a little bit, a bit crazy. I've always respected the guys who, and I, I firmly believe in having equal say, I firmly believe in that, but it seems to me, you know, unless you like rush. And those guys that they form these amazing friendships. That's another thing. I think forming friendships with your bandmates is like integral for success, you know, being really close to those guys. But, you know, unless you're in a, like a, like a three piece or something where, you know, you really understand how, you know, one another, how you, how you tick and can kind of anticipate things. I think it's kind of important also for one person or two people to kind of take a leadership role in a band to kind of like be the person that's going to captain the ship when it kind of falls apart. Oh my because,
2: gosh, you know. There's it's always important that someone in in any situation, be it band or not, there has to be a leader. There has to be someone who takes control and everybody on a team, no matter what that team is, always is looking for someone to give direction. That's 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 extremely
1: important. I feel like if the band you know, somebody's going to do it. Whoever cares the most about keeping the band going, somebody's going to step up when it looks like it's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the band should fall apart if nobody cares enough to... Or evolve. Ship. Yeah.
0: You know, because I think a lot of times, too, people just jump in saying, the idea of being in a band is so, you know, glamorizing. that You're like, okay, I'm going to jump in this thing. It's going to be amazing. We're going to get record deals or whatever. And then the work comes, and you're like, uh eh. Or at least a few of them are like, "I don't want this, and yeah what tends to happen it falls to pieces. This is why you have to have a nucleus where yeah. you know people will fall off the fringes and then you replace them with no other band members, so I think it's like in a lot of ways what we're doing too, like you have this kind of core of a project, you know, and then that core, how many guys that is, remains the same, and you kind of keep evolving and moving forward, you know and that seems to be the I think the successful formula for bands at least. My experience, yeah,
2: there comes a point where every um, especially when you're younger, um, I know this has come up a couple times in my a couple bands that I've been in where you have to kind of establish how you're approaching the band, um, as a whole in terms of are we doing this as a hobby or are we doing this as a profession, right. uh, And then there will be. A line where, if you are doing it as a hobby, that there's a, and you decide to then take it over into the professional or make some money with it, um, that can get a little bit sticky as well because some of the members may not look at it as um, others do. You know, I want to start looking at this as a possible a potential of making some money. And maybe another band member's like,
0: eh, you know what? Just a like thing for me to do on the weekends or whatever. Right. It's just
2: I, I yeah. don't want to practice, so <laughs> I'm just gonna keep on doing my thing. And that can be a point of contention. I mean, that's just you people will get mad.
0: Yeah, I guess why in a lot of ways I think ninety percent of my playing career was always solo. Hmm. It's for that reason, you know. So I am not how sure how much wisdom I have with the, you know, like being in lots of different groups, but I'll tell you the ones I I were in, <clears throat> excuse me, the ones where I think the were the most successful for me were the bands where it was professionally done. You know, like every member had a professional stake in what we were doing. Mm. You know, it was almost like the dedication, the understanding was we're going to, it's a job, you know, it's not just a hobby. It's something we're going to do and we're going to do professionally, you know, and like when i was in big bang you know those you know that those guys are just like dialed in the whole time Mm -hmm. they lived music that was the thing that that was important
2: yeah i agree as the older i got and i started to to um learn my lesson more and more um yeah playing with people who have the equal passion that you do is extremely important um you don't want to you don't want to come across that situation where someone isn't as passionate as you are, and then go through that whole. It just—it's a recipe for disaster, because you either either have to end up approaching that person, or just plain old kicking them out. And that's a terrible. Yeah, situation. I have those yeah. conversations, right? Oh my gosh, that's
1: stressful.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: it is stressful. It is stressful,
0: and we all have to have them. Yeah,
2: absolutely. You, you, have to go to a, you have to have the balls to be able to go up to a member and say, hey, look, we need you to step up your game or it's not happening. And then if they don't step up the game, then you have to come back at them again and be like, hey, <laughs> this is it. Um, or maybe it's an <clears throat> attitude thing. Maybe somebody has a completely terrible, I know of, of a band um, that their drummer was phenomenal, um, but his attitude was terrible who yeah. just had a terrible, 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 terrible attitude. So they, they ended up trying to kick him out and replace him. Um, so there's, there's
1: many different things. Kicking somebody out when they feel like they were a part of the, one of the founders of a band and they've written some of the material also <laughs> makes things extra complicated and difficult. Yeah, and there's a precedent in history, not only like personally, but like historically speaking.
0: How many bands do we know of where that has happened? where the originator of the group was ousted for whatever reason. Yep.
2: (laughs) I've done that. I created a band. That was one of my very first bands. I, I, I created the band. I went through the whole process of putting out ads and, and actually recruiting all the people. And in the end, they booted you, they booted me. Uh, They showed up at my door with my amp. They didn't uh, even actually go through the process of kicking me out. They just rolled my, 5150 to my dorm we're like, yeah. And I'm like, what? Wow. Yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea.
1: You recruited I was... the wrong people.
2: Um, I, I think it came down to I didn't fit in their clique. I was yeah. a different person than they were, and they didn't like that. I don't know why. I have no idea why. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, that was a long time ago. Um, it, was just, it was just an interesting thing being in that situation because i had no idea i literally had been calling for the past like three weeks like when's band practice because i want to play like i miss playing why aren't we playing why aren't we playing <laughs> and they just showed up and i'm like what this doesn't make any sense okay i was obviously very very pissed um but and i never really got an answer but to my knowledge that's probably that's the only reason because I, I got along with everybody and it wasn't like i wasn't in it it was just more along the lines of i don't think I fit in their
0: click because they were all kind of friends. If the yeah. relationship times five, this is like giving you your ring back, with right? No explanation. Bye right. Bye. Right. Like, where's the closure? Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, if it, if it kids are, you know, I think kids who are, I think starting bands, they have to learn. And well, actually all of them, I think all musicians have to kind of understand this too. And something I it took me a long time to realize is that when you're actually in a group of like five members or six members, or whatever it is, what you do, your actions, what you say has effect on everybody in that band. So I found that the ones who kind of like are in the fringes of the group and kind of fall away and all the stuff we're talking about are those ones that are really self-absorbed. You know what I'm talking about? Like they just care about my immediate gratification in this group, what I'm getting, what I want to do, how I have to practice or how if I don't practice, not realizing that everybody feeds off that. Mm. But the ones that are on the flip side, you know, are like that stick with it and are passionate and successful our understanding that, okay, if I say this thing right now or do this action or whatever, it has an effect on my band brothers. And I have to, you know, understand that to make the best choice, you know, and that goes for any, any kind of group dynamic, not just in musical band practice. And I think the sooner people get to the point where it's like, this is literally a social people skill, you know, then I think it just becomes a smoother ship.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Dealing with other people's ideas, musical ideas, You know, if you say like the power of saying I don't like that, like compared to saying like I like that, but maybe you could change it a little bit like that, like Yeah. It's incredible what it can do to the difference. Like I've had I've brought an idea to the table and somebody said just like, I don't like that and I'm like, What do you mean you don't like that? Like I've been this is the thing I've been working on all week. Like, you just don't like it. What part don't you like about it? Do you not like the Rhythm of it, or the melody, or just the general vibe of it. Can you don't like give some it direction? I just yeah, don't
2: like it. I just don't like yeah. how it sounds.
1: <laughs> yeah, which kind of like it's just like a shutdown comment. So it's just kind of like, okay, like it it makes makes you not want to ever bring anything to the table again, right? You know. And so had that person been more of a, yeah, hey, I appreciate that you put in all this work, and I really like this about the riff. Maybe we could speed it up because I think it's a little slow or something like. Maybe we could change the chords underneath. There's a lot like being helpful in your feedback mm-hmm. is, you know, it goes back to the people skills. You got to keep everybody happy. So everybody feels comfortable bringing ideas to the table and some people working just come together have, and collaborating.
2: Yeah, some people just don't have that in them. I know that I've worked with certain people that just, their people skills are just terrible. You know, it's, um, The way that they communicate is um, they don't think about it. They just kind of blurt it out. And you're like, yeah. And now we have to go through this whole lesson of saying, could you not do it like that? Could you actually be a little more constructive in your criticism? Like, I'm open to ideas, but how you come across is a bit of a jackass. And now you're making me look like a jackass because
0: I have to tell you. And well, that's that's a whole there are people out there just have terrible communication. Skills. Well, that's just it. It's, it's it's like it's just in any kind of dynamic communicating effectively. You know, if you're going to like har- harbor a grudge and not say anything, how many times we've we been in that experience where it's like something has made another band member set and they t- they don't tell you they are sitting there like <clears throat> all pissed for like the length of the band rehearsal. And it kind of creates this vibe, yeah. you know, and then they tell you like a week down the road, you know, that really made me upset that we did this. OK, well, why don't you bring it up then? We could have squashed it. And, and just moved on. Right. You know, it's that kind of thing. I think, I think we see too,
1: you know, another interesting experience I've had is we were recruiting a, we thought we'd expand our three piece into a four piece at one point, And we pulled this keyboard player into the band for a period. And at first we, you know, he was really, he didn't know our song. So he was, we were trying to teach him and which was fine. We knew that was part of the process. And but once we got I remember getting to maybe our second gig with this guy, he starts trying to add all these interesting tensions. Like he was instead of playing the chords like we had shown him, he was adding not only sevenths but ninths and elevenths and stuff. And it was like completely changing the vibe of the song. Mm. And so sometimes I've I've experienced someone who went too far and then didn't want to listen when we, we were like, you know what, that chord doesn't really fit right here. Like it's interesting, but you're, you're like changing the whole thing and you're messing up the vocals that are singing with it. And so, yeah, sometimes it got, I guess the guy was, he was selfish about wanting to be like super fancy when it didn't necessarily fit. Right. You guys were more of a raw type of thing rather than kind of, yeah. I mean, we had like, we were playing like rock song and, you know, maybe we were playing a power chord section and you know right. it's like, whoa, dude. How, I, you, I appreciate your your attempts here, but but yeah, but then he you know, differences of musical opinion hmm. he had to go.
0: Times it by ten. You guys ever have the experience where it's like you have an understanding, this agreement about how the music's gonna go in rehearsals, then you get to the gig and the oh, one yeah. guy wants to show off in front of the audience. And like completely makes a jackass out of himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love those too.
1: <laughs> it's like, really, what? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and you, then you get into band situations where you know people want to turn up too much. Oh uh, yeah, I need to be you know I need to be heard. I need to be louder. It's like, no, you don't. Yeah. Yeah, that that I mean, that's a whole another. we've talked about that
2: in a long an episode quite a while ago is is you guys have to always be mindful of the the band as a unit and how you guys come across to the audience. Uh, Sometimes people just have this. It's me. It's the me show. and, And that that's really irritating within a band environment where you're sitting there and you're going, what what are you what are you Doing like stop. This is this is us together. I mean, there. It's definitely important that when you go up on stage, that you guys check your volumes and have someone go out in the audience. And maybe it's you yourself, and maybe it's you do a rotation and you kind of go through this process of saying, okay. Play as a band, play a couple bars, and just kind of listen to how we sound to an audience member, and go through that process. That's part of being in a band. You don't just get up on there on the band. Ooh, uh, this brings up another idea. Sorry, Um, but you don't (laughs) just—that was part of your dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) You don't just kind of get jump up on on stage and just kind of just start doing your own thing, and somehow it comes together. That's not how you approach it. And then the idea that I thought of is is. There's been so many times where I've witnessed in my own band and in other people's bands where, let's just say a bassist or a guitarist specifically, maybe a keyboardist, um, where they're only thinking about themselves. So they come in, they set up their amp, they plug in their guitar, they tune, and they're done. They're off to the bar.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot. for,
2: For a drummer. That's extremely frustrating. Yeah, yes, okay. so that's extremely frustrating because he's got lots of hardware. Um, and the same thing for the end of the night, breaking down.
0: I used to help mm-hmm. John set up and break down
2: every gig. Help your members Never. out one hundred percent. If they need something and I'm done, I'm on it. It doesn't matter. There was one gig where we played um downtown and we realized at the last second that we had no way for us to get electricity from here to there. So I had to run to a local, you know, whatever convenience store and buy a six foot extension cable. cable. You have to be, again, it's this vision of how do we get ourselves to be the best we can be that way the audience wants us back or the venue wants us back uh, we don't want to look, you know, like this is our first gig. Uh, so no, it's professional. Absolutely. Professional. So yeah. absolutely, one hundred percent. Make sure that you are in touch with your brothers, with your family of the band. You you guys have to work as a unit. But I've seen that so many times where you know the guys off at the bar and someone's still setting up, and that's just
0: like, it's oh. it's a lack of awareness. This goes back to what we're saying here. If you if you're thinking like you know it's this is a me self egocentric thing, then it's never going to work. That person's never, never going to kind of fit. You know, all this stuff is great. I'll tell you what's really the hardest conversation to have ever for me in a band is when you're playing with the guys for a number, let's say a number of months or something. And you realize that one of them is not going to get any better, that there are problems in their musicianship that are making the band suffer in terms of the movement forward. And you realize that as awesome as they are, that being like, you know, just tight with you guys and dedicated and practicing, musically speaking, they're just not going to get any better. That's a really difficult conversation because you know, like you have to at that point say, all right, if I replace this person as much as I don't want to, the band moves forward. And if I keep them in the band we're kind of stagnating Th- those were always really hard conversations for me to have. And, and I, and I'm guilty. Sometimes I would just be like, you know what? I, I can't do it. I can't, I can't cut them loose. I can't, we're, we're too close, you know, yeah. but it's, it's one of those things where you, you have to say for the good of the band, what do we need? Right. How many times have we been playing with people where their rhythm has been off or they've worked on timing and they just, they can't feel pocket. They just mm-hmm. they can't do it no matter how, how much they play, you know? So yeah, it's it's a it's not a very easy thing to be in this um, environment of working with all these guys. You hope it never gets to that point, but sometimes it happens.
1: Yeah, depends. It goes back to whether this is a a hobby band or a professional money making band, right?
0: Well, me personally, I never saw the point of hobby bands, but
1: that was me. You know,
0: like if I was going to devote my time to practicing and learning rehearsing and learning material and you know you guys know this i mean to get good you gotta rehearse a few nights a week yeah you have to you know and some of the bands we were in you know we do three four nights a week oh my no. gosh that's... right so it's normal <laughs> yeah it's normal there's no, for me that's not hobby that's that's on your track to doing something yeah you know, otherwise what's the point
1: i think you have to be in a hobby band to get to the point where you can be in a professional band though everybody's like, got like training wheels yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah sure yeah your high school rock band that you gets you excited about, you know, devoting yourself to your instrument. Well, I'll tell you, speaking of like real high school ish stuff, I finally listened to Greta
0: van fleet oh, a couple yeah. of days ago. I really like him. I mean, listen, I, I, that singer, Josh, mm-hmm. you know, sounds just like plant. Yeah. In fact, I watched an interview with plant quoted, you know, or at least addressed him and said that, you know, cause they asked him like what he thought of those guys. And he said, they're Zeppelin one they are basically like Zeppelin in the, in the early days. What they have going for them is the fact that most of them are brothers. Right. Right. The, the three of them are brothers. that was it the drummer is, is not related to them or something? I don't really remember, but you can, you can get the sense that even though they're like, you know, just emerging from high school into, you know, with 18 or 19 right now that they have a dedication, an understanding that this is going to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, this is going this is a lifestyle choice, Yeah. you know?
2: Yeah, they're on and, that they're, they're on that cusp of actually identifying themselves as a band. I mean, it's it's great. It's great.
0: Yeah. It's it's really refreshing to kind of see that and to see the fact that actually the music industry is putting their ears to that kind of thing. Mm. Because I felt that I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but the last 20 years has been, you know, people saying, "All right, here's what you guys need to have. Here's your little formula to put together and fill in the gaps with what we need and let's brand it and publish it and throw it out there. And let's make
1: millions off it. Yeah. It's like the Disney channel musicians, right? The Hannah Montana's and the whatever. Yeah. 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 I'm not really enjoying the way
2: music is going today. <laughs> Even like with like Taylor Swift. Um, I, I'm when Taylor first started off, she wasn't bad. She actually had a real band, real instruments she played an instrument um I had respect for her. now I have no respect
0: for her. I think you know, i actually I think that was Taylor who just texted you i it is. <laughs> She's like, you guys have no understanding of how music works.
1: <laughs> We're going to be in an next song. She's going to put us
0: down. <laughs>
2: no, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I props to the, the producers out there that are putting together these beats and samples and all that kind of stuff. And all these people who are buying this crap. Um, ooh, I love today. I I just don't enjoy it. I, I love today. I I don't enjoy I don't enjoy what's being put out on the radio and how it's being consumed at all. If you take me back forty years, fifty years, that's when music really was music to me. When the band worked together as a unit, and they it there was no synths or anything like that. Um, it wasn't sampled. It wasn't loops. It was an actual band that actually played. That's, that's how I view music as music. That's, that's well, what
0: Well, something you said, Aaron, mm. many years ago, I remember you, you said this and it and always stuck in my brain, is that 40, 50 years ago, people were actually listening at shows. My gosh. So, yes. you know, listening to the band and taking in as a type of experience. <clears throat> now it's, it's not that. I think now it's just more of like an entertainment thing. Mm. which we all know how I feel about that. But it's, yeah, I think you have this, this tie that has moved to, you know, people are not committing. I don't think to sitting down and paying attention to what the band is doing. I think there's always a focus on the singer or their favorite star of yeah. the show. And it's what become happened, more of that kind of, in my opinion, what
2: happened was uh, video killed the radio star. Um, as soon as MTV came out, image played a huge Huge role, and actually overtook everything. Not the image didn't play a role beforehand, but it was more about the music um you know you had even if you look at old videos of let's say Zeppelin or what like that, you actually see the crowd sitting around, usually sitting like on the floor or if it's an actual venue in their chairs. Um, but they're they're actually listening and engaging in the music that's going on. Um, if you, you know, go to a concert back then, you would actually just be sitting there listening. Or if you had an album, you would lay down on the floor and put the headphones on and just kind of listen to the album from front to back. Right. That's what you did. That yes. was the right. norm. That was the norm. Now, uh, you know, most artists sell singles. Um, they release singles. Um, you can buy, you know, the song for 99 cents off of the album Uh, album sales are way down. Um, it just is not, you go to a concert and people are holding their phones up and, and it's this kind of social thing rather than actually being engaged with the band. Yeah, right. I, 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 it's, it's a completely different thing. Now, again, you're going to have your things where that still happens, go to festivals or whatnot like that, but the environment of how we consume music has completely changed. And I, I don't
1: think I like that. <laughs> I've got to play devil's advocate here. Go for it. it I love this. It's Come on, bring it. Extremely dependent on the venue and even the town. Like I'm in Virginia Beach now, and the original music scene here is not anything what it was up in the D.C. area. And I've not gotten as much into the Norfolk scene, but I, I've heard that there's more original music going on there. But you know, up in D.C., there were the bars that had only cover bands and they played top 40 kind of stuff and yes it was a complete social scene but then there are all these cool venues like iota club in arlington which is sadly gone um just recently iota would have a sound guy and you paid your cover to come in to see the bands and everybody's watching you on stage i mean there were a bunch of places uh, like the Velvet Lounge in DC was really cool. It had the upstairs. What a great is, name. Dude, what a great black name. Black Cat. Yep. Well, Black Cat. Yeah, the back room at Black Cat. I've played that a couple of times. That's, the upstairs is huge. That's where uh, Foo Fighters played mm-hmm. yeah. recently. But um, yeah, I mean, there's all these venues where you got a sound guy and people are coming in to watch you play and it is what you're talking about. But if you try to go to the, you know, the and bar on the corner where everybody's just there to drink. Yeah everybody who just wants to hear Bruno Mars and yeah. whatever. Yeah, I
0: think absolutely. people are still keeping it alive. I mean, like everything we're talking about. I think there's a, a certain culture of, of listeners who are going to try to get the musical experience in a, in a live setting, which is I think why live shows are so popular nowadays. Yeah. We still kind of have that thing going on, but like, you know, Aaron was talking about, I have a friend of mine who saw Hendrix play, you know, and he told me this, he says, it's a different thing. When you watch Jimmy play back then, like, people were, like Aaron said, they were on the floor, like, watching and listening and absorbing, you know, and, like, following everything and being kind of taken, you know, by by just the, the, the movement of the music. It's because they were on acid. True. <laughs> well, hey, we're not trying to advocate anything on this show,
1: but, hey, you know. And they, and they also had never, like, nobody quite like Jimmy had existed. That's no. true. That's true. No. You know, it it's breaking down true. boundaries back then. Yeah. And you weren't, like, it's not like you could go on YouTube and be like awesome guitar solo and pull up like thousands of different, like amazing guitar solos. Now there's like, it's so easy. I have my nice microphone and my little audio interface. I can, I can sit down and record songs in my house. So every band, everybody's putting out music. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's so much good music out there if you know it. And that's why I love the local scene. Like I literally have like lots of local bands, Albums and there, I listen to that stuff, as opposed to listening to FM radio. So if you like seek out the good stuff, if you go to, I've said this before, just look up who's playing at Bonnaroo. Ignore the top couple lines and go down deeper into the lineup. You know, there's like a hundred bands playing at Bonnaroo each year, or Firefly, or Lollapalooza, or whatever. You you Lockin's a great one. It's got yeah, yeah. not gotten big. The point is, is that you seek out the good music and you you know you you're not going to hear it on FM radio it's out there right now i feel like it is a one of the greatest times that has there's ever been it's just not going to be on mainstream radio
0: yeah yeah well it's, it's always a double edged sword i feel that way strongly it's like you know we have so much accessibility to great bands now you know and and it's even in the underground scene i mean i'm I, that's what I, i'm listening to a lot to like really the underground players right now and seeing what they're what they're doing and kind of coming up and being kind of into it mm-hmm. yeah
1: i mean now, even jazz is you know it's not what it was i mean it's not like a mainstream thing now but you look there's bands like snarky puppy that are just like that's they're a band name? Awesome. You've never heard Snarky Puppy? No.
0: I'm You've jealous. Never heard Snarky Puppy? Wow. Yeah. They are awesome. They yeah, well, I feel like you guys are ganging up on me for not listening to this band. What's here. wrong Snarky with you? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Snarky no, Puppy. You should check them out. They're they do a lot of like No, never heard of them. They've got a full they've got horn section and they kind of mix a lot of funk and jazz and I mean they and they're always bringing on guests. They've got like full on productions on their YouTube videos. All right. It's really, gotcha. really cool music. So, you know, these things are out there. You just have to find them.
0: Now, not to kind of pull the conversation back to best practices with a band, but the one thing I would feel I would do a disservice if I never got this out was this. Please, people, fret buzzards. If you guys are going to be in a band, you hook up with other members of your team. When you get to practice, make sure your instrument's tuned. <laughs> Please
1: (laughs) fret buzzards. I mean, I like it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I should love it.
2: It's a great. Buzzards, yeah, buzzards. Yeah, no, I, 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 that happens here. And the other thing is, is that if you're gonna tune, oftentimes, tuners are not calibrated the same. So try to tune with the same tuner, uh, pass it around, especially at a show. Um, I mean, yeah. They're always going to be close, but nonetheless, if you want to be perfect, use the same tuner. Use your ears. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Your, hey, man, play your E. Yeah.
2: And the other thing that, since we, since we are coming to the end of the show, do what you want, obviously. Obviously. All you, bu- all you buzzards out there. <laughs> but um, we've, brought it, we've brought it up a couple times during the show is drugs, drugs and alcohol um my personal experience not a good mix it's not a good mix um either rehearsal or live shows yeah um everything for in moderation me. everything in moderation obviously um and i'm not going to say yay or nay to any to either or um but personally for me i know that if i have more than one to two drinks I'm done um, it, I just um, I don't perform the way that I should uh, I know there are people that are out there who get completely trashed good for you uh, you won't be in my band that's for yeah. sure um, yeah. Yeah. I I and I even two drinks I'm like okay eh, I try to tend to maybe I'll have two drinks the entire gig you know, I'll start, I'll have a beer for the beginning of just kind of loosen the nerves up a little bit like that. And maybe I'll have a beer throughout the first set or something like that. Um, I try not to drink any more than that because by third set, I'm trashed and you don't gain the respect out of, the crowd, the way I don't know, because then I think of like suicidal tendencies and you know, all these other guys, um, Metallica. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think for the most part, it depends on what kind of band you are, yeah. obviously. Um, but you don't see like Pat Metheny or any of these other guys yeah, getting it's... completely trashed. And and again, it's it depends on what kind of band you are. If you're a rock band or your metal band, sure, I'm sure there's a little bit of that that's
0: allowed. Um, but uh, it's a professionalism thing, man. I mean, that's all it really comes down to. If you, I think, if you put on the air that you're ultra professional, you know, the crowd responds, your audiences respond, your fans respond. You know, if you're just going to act like an ass, you know, and like I remember playing a gig one time with a bass player, and we played this show. I can't mention the name of it, but um, you know, he got so wrecked, you know, during the gig by the second set, like maybe the end of the second to third set, we were holding him up. Mm-hmm literally. And the other guitar player said, what the hell is wrong with you? And that was it. We were done with him. Mm -hmm. Why does that have to, everything we put in, all the rehearsal hours were like decimated in that one night, you know? And so I think it really has to be an understanding that, you know, professionalism is the thing that kind of carries you guys forward or or it's not going to, even if you have marginal success, at some point you're going to, you're going to peter out for stuff like that, you know? So, and then it doesn't just go for like the whole drug alcohol thing it goes for anything coming into the band dynamic. If you break the level of professionalism, you know, it's just never going to work.
2: Yeah. I know for me with alcohol specifically, um, it has ruined many situations live and especially rehearsal. Uh, there's nothing worse than trying to explain something to one of your band members when he's completely wasted, um and you're like ah this is a lost cause Again, it comes back to that. You're wasting my time and I want to make the most out of the time that I have with this band. I'm not getting together to just drink with the guys.
0: Yeah. Well, that's exactly. There it is. Right. So it goes back to what the expectations are socially. You know, Mm -hmm. if we have to understand that we're here to work, you know, maybe it takes meetings. How many times you guys have been on band meetings? I used to do them all the time. Yeah. Let's call a meeting today. Let's just kind of talk about what the agenda is. And you can always tell from those too, like who's going to be on board with you, who is not based on the feel you get from there. Mm-hmm. I think I actually I think that was Taylor who just texted you. I, it is. <laughs> She's like, you guys have no understanding of how music works.
1: <laughs> We're gonna be in next
0: I'm your Joe. Yeah. 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 And What's here. wrong what with you? you? <laughs> yeah. All right,
1: gentlemen, have a good week. We'll See you be in, we'll in, be in touch. Soon. All right. Later. Bye. Where is my damn button? Isn't that awkward when you say bye
0: and then you're like, Okay. Yeah, I try to keep this like, you know, professional and like, okay, bye guys, let's cut it and like, <laughs> damn it, where's this button at? All you all, all you buzzards out there. <laughs> <laughs>